Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, coming up, you'll be hearing from Max McLean of the Fellowship for Performing Arts. He recently produced a presentation of The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, which was offered virtually. In a conversation from which you'll be hearing material, he shared comments about the relevancy of C.S. Lewis and the meaning of the play. And Jeff Myers of Summit.org, a Christian worldview ministry that helps to train young people in the truth of God's Word, discussed the concept of biblical justice as it relates to the pursuit of honesty in the electoral process. Also, Randy Valentine of Global Media Outreach, which uses technology to present a gospel message through the internet around the world, shares about the introduction of Something Better, a new concept to reaching people in the U.S. through meaningful imagery. And on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from Randy Sizemore. He plays the role of a pastor in a streaming series that is set during the last days. You'll find out more about the series and its significance coming up. Finally, Mike Janong of the Ministry of Blazing Grace offers a challenge to Christians to go deeper with the Lord and to live a vibrant Christian life that is distinctive. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Max McLean is founder and artistic director for the Fellowship for Performing Arts, which has been established to present theater from a Christian perspective. He is the producer and adapter of The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis and discussed that presentation, which was available virtually in mid-November, highlighting the significance of C.S. Lewis and that play. Here now is Max McLean. It's been really tough uh, for the whole Anybody that's involved in live events, large gatherings, uh, which of course includes many, many churches and, and sporting events, and, uh, but certainly uh, live entertainment such as theater and concerts and that sort of thing. Uh, we were moving full speed ahead, and, and uh, you know, we, the volume of our work, we were about 2,000 tickets a week, and now we're down to zero a week and maintaining zero since then. We we had to cancel absolutely dozens of events through to the end of the year, and and it, it appears uh, that that will continue into 2021. Uh, so it, it's had a, a, a huge negative impact on the work that we do. Uh, so we got together and decided, well, we don't want to just sit and do nothing. So we pivoted to putting our events online. And uh, the first one we did was uh, in August. Uh, we did, well, we did a couple of, we, we did a, a couple of, of events for our donors, but then we decided to have a, a public event for everyone. Uh, and the first one was Martin Luther on trial. And uh, we had over 25,000 people uh, sign up for that. And we were pleasantly surprised because we really didn't know how many people would do it. And, and whether or not the work would translate into uh, to virtual, uh, and uh, uh, and then the Great Divorce, which is about, uh, written by C.S. Lewis, uh, is our second virtual event, and it it appears that uh, uh, that more folks will will have signed up for this one than the previous one. Uh, 
so we're very excited about uh, the interest in C.S. Lewis' The Great Divorce. Tell me about your view on Lewis and why you see that he's still relevant for audiences today. Well, the, the thing about Lewis is, is that uh, uh, he challenges people's assumptions about reality. He was by far the most effective Christian writer of the 20th century. He read everything from the Greeks to the moderns. He had a steel trap mind that remembered everything he read, and he could translate his thoughts into magnificent prose and story. His ideas were arresting, they were imaginative, multi-layered, and convicting. And I think that the interesting, the secret to Lewis was, he said this, he said, the imagination is the organ of meaning, whereas reason is the organ of truth. The imagination is the organ of meaning, reason is the organ of truth. And what I believe Lewis meant by that is that he's acknowledging that the imagination is what serves up the raw material of what we choose to think about. And so therefore, if an idea doesn't capture the imagination, it's, it won't trigger our impulse to want to find out more, to apply our intellectual rationality to it, to find out what is this about, to dig deeper. Uh, and what Lewis did in his writing, particularly as it related to Christianity, was he awakened the desire uh, within us, which I think is the triggering mechanism that evokes action or change. And that's why I think Lewis is, is our, certainly Lewis is our model, FDA's model for storytelling, that, uh, and therefore we want our, our stories to be thoughtful, provocative, nuanced, uh, passionate, and to capture the imagination, as Lewis indicated, and leave room for the Holy Spirit to do his work. Max McLean here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the website FPA Theater, that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, Dot com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jeff Myers, president of Summit.org. He offered perspective on the biblical concept of justice applied to the aftermath of the 2020 election. The conversation centered on a piece he wrote for the Stream website. Here now from that conversation is Jeff Myers. This article that you mentioned in the Stream, and people can find it in the media section at the top of the page, Summit.org, if they want to look at it specifically. It made a lot of people very happy and a lot of people very grumpy. Oh, great. Because I said, I, I said, I, I challenge this idea that people are posting on their social media pages. Well, I voted. That's all I can do. God is in control. And I, I said in the article, that is, that's bad citizenship. And it's even worse theology. It's bad citizenship because in a republic, your vote does not get you across the finish line. It gets you to the starting line. And second, it's bad theology because the Bible does not describe God as controlling. He does not describe himself in that way. God describes himself as sovereign. He is wholly sovereign. And in his sovereignty, he's made us to bear his image, which means that we can see what he sees. We can do, we can hear what he's paying attention to, and we are his hands and feet. So saying that God is in control, I'm wiping my hands of this whole thing and walking away is never a valid Christian position. The thing I would emphasize to people is how, how often are you a citizen? 
Are you a citizen for 30 minutes, the first Tuesday of November, every other year? Or are you a citizen 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year? I believe it's the latter. I don't believe that we as citizens merely vote and then just let everything else go. There are lots of opportunities for us to be involved. We, we pray, we fast, we get in touch with our leaders and we say, hey, you hear about these kooky Christians? I'm one of them. I just want you to know we're real and we don't believe that the moon landing is fake or whatever. <laughs> and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I want you to be successful. I'm grateful for your service. And I intend to hold you accountable to, to speak the truth and to oppose that which is based on lies. So we show that support, but we also demand the accountability. That's what people do in a nation where, as Abraham Lincoln described, we are government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So when we look at the authority of the Christian worldview and a Christian understanding of justice, how does that motivate us to respond? Hmm. Well, there are two things that I can think of. Number one, Bob, based on a biblical Christian worldview, we understand that truth actually exists. Most people today, even those who are saying they're making all kinds of truth claims, if you ask them, do you believe there is such a thing as absolute truth? They will say no. 69% of young adults who go to church say there is no absolute truth, which means to say they believe that everything that they decide is, on, is based on their own personal opinion, not on any objective standard. That, that idea, there is no truth, is at the core of a secular worldview, a Marxist worldview, a postmodern worldview. Only in the church do you see that firm insistence that truth exists objectively, independently of us, and for all time. So that's an important thing. Second thing, Bob, it's important for us to love our neighbor. You know, in Scripture, you don't see loving your neighbor as just waving a friendly hello or taking them a pie at Thanksgiving time. Loving your neighbor is a justice issue. You love your neighbor by making sure that the laws are set up in such a way that they do not favor the rich or the poor, that everyone is treated equally. And that's all through the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. We need a much more robust understanding of what it means to love your neighbor. Jeff Myers here on The Intersection. The Summit website is summit.org. Well, next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Randy Valentine. He's the Chief Marketing Officer for Global Media Outreach, a ministry that combines technology with the gospel. In our conversation, he discussed a new initiative called Something Better that is intended to reach people in the U.S. through spiritual imagery. Here now is Randy Valentine. Well, there's a brand new initiative that's being launched. It's called Something Better. It's described as a U.S.-focused outreach. Tell me about the concept of it and some of the different components of Something Better, if you would. We struck a strategic alliance with a gentleman named Michael Belk. Um, some people may have heard of him. He's a fashion photographer, a pretty famous fashion photographer from, from back in the day. He created a, a, an initiative or an organization called Journeys with the Messiah, and what that does is he's taking these incredible pictures of kind of first-century Jesus in modern-day situations and created these, I mean, just stunning images that really, when you see them, you've got them, and it just makes you think, like, wow, who is this Jesus, and how does he fit into that situation 
and I can identify with that situation. And the beautiful part about this is we're combining those images with these, you know, people searching for certain topics. And so there's a gospel presentation and there's an image of this, you know, the, these incredible, beautiful images. So together, what we found is um, the retention rate of what people see plus what people read uh, allows them to remember uh, more effectively. So as we know, not everybody makes a decision for Christ every time they hear the gospel for the first time. And so for us, we want to give people multiple opportunities to hear about Jesus. And then combining with those pictures, um, we feel like it's, it's going to be pretty effective. So I have some stats here. Again, we're, we've got there stats you go. coming out of our ears. Love those stats. Um, Absolutely. So just in the month of October alone, for something better, for just this something better campaign, uh, we had over 83,000 gospel visits, 17,000 indicated decisions for Jesus in the United States just this month alone with this effort. And what that means is we're seeing it's about a 24% conversion rate, which is actually pretty high. Uh-huh, um, yes. so, so it seems like it's working. People are responding to it. People are saying yes to Jesus because of it. And so we're, we're going for it. We're just going to do all that we can through the end of this year and even into the beginning of 2021 to continue to share this with with people here in the United States. So how is it that global media outreach through this Something Better campaign tailors this message of the gospel to an audience in the U.S.? So that's that's a great question. So um, there's four different images um, that we've we've chosen from from Michael Belk, and he has a variety of them, but we figured there were four in particular that would really resonate um, with people here in the United States. And um, one of them in particular is called Rest for the Weary, and it's a picture of a uh, Wall Street, a person on Wall Street, if you will, or a business person, uh, just, just literally like collapsing on the lap of Jesus. His briefcase is open, papers are flying out. And that image in and of itself, I think, really speaks to what a lot of people are experiencing right now. Whether you're in business or not, people are exhausted and tired and worn out. And this whole coronavirus pandemic has really taken its toll. And so for us, when people are searching for things like, again, loneliness or anxiety, um, you know, those particular keywords that they're, that they're, that they're struggling with right now, they're going to see a gospel presentation with that picture. And hopefully the, the goal is then to tie those keywords into pictures that resonate with those keywords and then present that picture to them. And of course, then the gospel of Jesus to say, hey, say yes to Jesus, because he is the answer to weariness you know, your tiredness, your anxiety, uh, your stress, your fear. Like I said, we've got four different images that we're using. Um, There's another one, um, and it's called uh, Carry the Load. And it's it's really interesting. It's a picture of of Jesus walking in front of a family um, carrying their luggage. And there's a lot of different imagery going on here. So you got a mom and a dad with a child kind of walking down the road, now holding each other's hands while Jesus is carrying their luggage. The imagery there is Jesus says, uh, you know, my, my burden is light. And so let me carry this for you. And so there's a lot of weight that people are carrying right now. And so I believe that image in particular will, uh, will resonate with people with just that, that load, that, that, that tiredness, that fatigue that people are, are feeling. Um, I believe Jesus is, is the answer for that as well. And so, um, so that, that image, I think, is going to resonate really well with a lot of people also. 
Randy Valentine here on The Intersection. You can learn more about Global Media Outreach by visiting globalmediaoutreach.com on the World Wide Web. You can also go to somethingbetterusa.com to learn more about that new initiative. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You will find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. There's also a link to the podcast through that homepage. You can find the podcast in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, the website, faithradio.org. Go to the programming section and click on the Meeting House link. Or you can go to meetinghouseonline.info. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and recently added Amazon Music. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast. Actor Kevin Sizemore talked with me recently. He plays a pastor in the streaming series The Dark, The Great Deceiver. In our conversation, he talked about the concept of the series, as well as some of the thematic material contained within it. The series takes place during the Great Tribulation period. Here now is Kevin Sizemore. It's the seventh year of the Tribulation, and um, the entire world is under chaos. Uh, we're like a United States is pretty much like a third world country at this point. There's really no uh, no medicine. There's limited food, no electricity, nothing like that. Um, and Christianity's pretty much been wiped off the entire face of the earth. But there's a handful of people, uh, myself, with a handful of people by church that we've we've been able to get through this and overcome this. We're just trying to survive until the second coming. Um, there is something that happened that's really important at the uh, end of the first episode that makes us realize, and me particularly, realize that we've got to go out into the dark. What is the dark? Is it a person? Is it a thing? We don't know. Um, a good way to describe it would be uh, the walking dead without the zombies. That's kind of what we're oh, trying wow. to let people see. That's the vibe. Um, but we know that we're kind of safe where we are because the dark, this thing, this it, this person has not really come to us. We don't think, but um, we fear that if we go out now, it or he will know where we are. But when we find out some of the news, we don't have a choice. And um, um, I change very quickly because I've lost my wife. Uh, she passes away. My son is no longer with us. We don't know where he is. We think the dark has taken my son, so we don't think he's alive. Many of our congregation are gone. There's only a handful of us left. But as I said earlier, there's a glimmer of hope that something pops up. And then we have to go out into the dark and find what we're looking for. So what do you know about the the dark? There seems to be some doubt about the nature of this that, of course, the subtitle refers to as the great deceiver or as the title suggests, the dark. So what do you know? Well, in the very beginning, first episode, we really don't know anything. We have not one clue mm. if it's, like I said, if it's a person, if it's a thing, if it's an it, we, don't, we, we have no clue. 
um, we do get a glimmer of hope of what we think it is at the very uh, cliffhanger part of the episode of episode one, which that right there um, allows us to kind of wrap our heads around what we think we're going up against, even though you know, when you're going up against something like the great deceiver, you, you know, you're, you're going to be in for a huge battle. But the biggest thing for my character, Bob, was in the beginning, you know, I should have been leading the pack, but I literally have gotten stripped down. My soul, even, even my faith at this point has been stripped away. And I've kind of started just to not pay attention to anything. And it took this moment at the end of that episode for me to get all of that back, my faith, my, my, my drive, everything all came back with one glimmer of hope. And as I understand it, your character there, as you mentioned earlier, your son is missing, and that seems to be a pretty strong plot point of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it is, because I've gone, I've gone a amount of time without it. So as you all know, you will never forget someone that, that you know, left your life. But um, you learn how to live without them, I guess is a good way to say it. So, you know, me losing my wife, me not having my son with me any longer. So I, I've learned that that's the way it is, and I've got to move forward. I just wasn't having um, – I guess I just wasn't doing really a good job at it. But as you said, yeah, the plot point is that's an interesting, that's an interesting conversation when someone brings up my son. So I do get glimmers of hope, whether it's my son or something else that makes me go out into the, into the wild, I guess you could call it, the dark area, to find out where he is, where she is, what it is. Kevin Sizemore here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the series by going to pureflix.com. That's pureflix, F-L-I-X, dot com. The Facebook page for the series is facebook.com front slash the dark TV series. It is now available on DVD. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Mike Janung, the founder of the ministry called Blazing Grace, which ministers to the sexually broken and their spouses. In our recent conversation, he provided an assessment of the church and its way forward as he relates in the book, The Rogue Christian, The Status Quo Has Failed, It's Time to Go Rogue. From that conversation, this is Mike Janung now. I was a head Christian, so my thought was, and what I had kind of taken in from going in churches was I need to learn Bible verses and I memorized, you know, plenty of scripture and be a good, nice person and get involved with some ministry and help some people. And that was what the Christian life was about, you know, being really nice and kind and humble. And But I was a miserable wreck. And the problem is the being good part, I could not do. The harder I tried the you know the worst it got and the, the reason for that is that's because i was operating on my flesh there's a lot of people who you know have the knowledge but they're operating out of their flesh they're operating out of their head they're operating out of their pride and that was me and then what god showed me and what i've seen repeatedly is that the the truth had not gotten in my heart because there were lies blocking it and um, this is a part of a big part of what we do with people is a really drill into what what do you really believe? I don't really care what you know. I want to know what you believe. I want to know what's going on in your heart. I want to know what's driving you because the belief system drives the life, not the knowledge. And we get that confused. 
I mean, what husband ever tells his wife, I love you with all my head? She would look at him like you're an idiot. But yet some of us do that in the church where we think because we, we have all this knowledge, we can say, God, look, look at what I know, Lord. But then, you know, what's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and you'll be saved. So the key to the whole thing is what's really going on in your heart? Is it filtered? Is there pride in there? Is Are you in bondage to some kind of sin? Is there bitterness in there? And we work through that, you know, with a lot of people. But the problem is when you have a church that's not going deep into hard issues like sexual sin, for example, and not equipping people, you're keeping them in bondage so they can't even get to their heart. So a part of it is we have to be equipping our people and exposing these issues that they're in bondage to, and not just the sexual arena, but also mental health. There's a lot of people struggling with depression and suicide rates are skyrocketing, yet when's the last time you ever had an effective message on dealing with suicide? It is really becoming a big problem all over. And last year we had a number of pastors commit suicide, which just broke my heart. I mean, you're talking about men with wives and children i it just i couldn't stand reading that and the thing is we're the church of christ we have the answers but we have to do more than just say this is what the verses mean we have to show people how to live the christian life and when you live god's word not just study it that's when it becomes alive what do you lay out in the book with respect to the components if you will of going rogue it has to begin with a passionate love relationship with the Lord. If we don't have that, then all we're going to be doing is doing a bunch of good works out of our flesh. And all, what that part of that what that encompasses is beginning with what are the wounds that are that are keeping you back? Because we can't run a race with a broken leg. What is the sin you're in bondage to that you need help to get freedom from? And it's really hard to have a love relationship with the Lord when you're withering in shame or you're dying in depression or bitterness has a hold of you. So part of what I weave into that is we've lost our purpose as a church, which is to set captives free. We teach God's word as a part of the how. It's not our mission. So our purpose, as we've shown in what you've seen in Isaiah 61, is to set captives free, to bring good news to the poor, to bring those who are in prison out and once we have clarity on that then we can start opening offering hope and answers to people and so for going rogue it has to begin with you know where are you today where's your heart today what is keeping you blocked and some of that answer is that we have created lukewarm believers in our some of our churches that avoid the heart issues and they think that well the, the, the dangerous thing with this is is if you avoid sin you've just created a lukewarm believer because he can't face what's going on in his heart because he thinks, well, God loves me and I'm good. So we have to take a hard look first at our hearts. Lord, show me what's going on in here. Show me and convict me of what I need to be convicted of. And these are radical prayers that take some courage, but the blessing is that he can start doing a mighty work in our heart. Mike Janung here on The Intersection. The book's website is theroguechristian.com. You can find out about the ministry at blazinggrace.org. 
We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, the web address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org and click on the Meeting House link. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast can be found in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there is a link to video content. Conversations from The Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.